Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and yes, yes, welcome to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, your Shed Adamus, your MC of footy, Corey Jackson, and welcome to the new episode of Outside the Sheds. Folks, I, I don't know about you, Shedheads. I, I don't know if you're just feeling excitement like I am. I'm saying after last week's All-Stars match last Friday and, and uh, until recently, uh, this weekend would be kind of the kickoff of the NRL season, even though I know it's still preseason. Let's not get there. But there's just a real, real buzz in the air. You know, because right now at this time, every team, no matter if you're NRL, AFL, Super League, everybody thinks that with the preseason and the training that everyone's put in, that every team thinks they've got a chance to shock the world or win a championship. And that's what makes sports beautiful. That's what makes it something that we all strive to, we look up to. Matter of fact, ask any Dallas Cowboys fan, and every year they think they're going to win the Super Bowl. And they really have only won one playoff game since 97, 98, I guess. But you want to talk about a fan base that always thinks that they're right there ready to, 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 lift, to lift hardware, as we would say. And like all of us who aren't Cowboy fans, let them know, once again, you lose. You lost again. And anyway, so it's a real exciting time for all of us, and and especially for the players. You know, this is just us as the fans we're talking about. This is just us that, that put the booties in the seats, as they say. But the players all have a buzz, and they all feel good. And don't forget, for a lot of these players, this is the healthiest they're going to feel all season right now. Even though they're putting in the hard work, even though they're putting in the trials and tribulations of preseason, even though the coaches are pushing him to the brink of feeling like they're going to give, to break, this is the best these guys will feel all season. Because if you talk to any AFL Rugby League player, they will tell you that after game one, they're, they're already carrying around a nick, they're already carrying around you know a bump, a bruise, uh, a cork, anything. They're carrying something around with them. And for a lot of them, they still have 25 weeks or 25 rounds after this to get through. And understanding each week after this, they're going to get another injury or they're going to pick up another knock or just another little bit of a nagging complaint that they might have. So when I say that right now is just a time of of feeling like you're alive and feeling like you're ready to take on the world, it's true. And that's just not for us as the fans. It's for the players as well. So with that being said, let's go into the 40-20 this week, and, and I'm going to start, and I was wondering where we were going to start this week, and I kind of almost smacked myself in the head when I was thinking that, Shedheads. I'm like, we've got to go back and recover the thing that I was pushing you to watch last Friday, Saturday morning, no matter how you want to call it, and that's the All-Stars match that happened up in Townsville. 
And even though it was a game that was played in under the rain, so all the boys had a good glisten, a good glow about them because the shimmering of the cascading of the water bouncing off the jersey. I hope I just gave you that panoramic right there for what was going on. But that was the start of it. And I will tell you, that might have been one of the best openings, pregame festivity. I don't know how you want to call it. But the pageantry that was put on display by both the Maori All-Stars and the Indigenous All-Stars was beyond brilliant. And I think I told, we talked last week how a lot of the, the players for the Maori All-Stars are, are pushing for the season to be next year started in New Zealand, in Auckland, for the, for the, the All-Stars game. And I don't see how you, how you can't have it that way. If we're really going to go with this format of Indigenous against Maori All-Stars, it's got to be a back and forth thing. And even if, you know, you know, two years from now, if it's back in New Zealand, it's down in Wellington or down in the South Island, I think there's got to be representation by both cultures. But that's my input right there. And I know a lot of the players have talked that they would love to see it that way. But I want to talk about the game. And after the haka and the war dance, and, and if you don't, if you haven't seen it, Shedheads, please find it on YouTube. I recorded the match just because I knew it was going to be brilliant. And I, I was kind of I was kind of guessing that since it could be his last All-Stars match, that I had a feeling Benji was going to lead the Haka for the Maori All-Stars. And the passion that, that Benji fought, you know, came out of the pile. Uh, came out of the group of guys, arm, you know, arm to arm to arm, and uh, it was it was memorable and fearsome, if you want to say that. Uh, I, you know, I've seen some hakas before where the boys uh, from from the the Kiwis to the All Blacks have marched right up into the face of their opposition, but it was done with respect, and then the Indigenous All Stars incorporating. Uh, some of the indigenous people into their their ceremony, their war ceremony, their war dance. Uh, it it was it was something to behold. And if, if let me put it this way, <clears throat> the game was going to have a tough time living up to just the preseason festivity. I I predicted last week that we were going to have a high scoring game, and then I'm thinking about it. I was like, well, the ball is going to be wet. We've got combinations that a lot of people didn't think were going to be played with because of the border closure. And the guys still put on a show. I will tell you that the indigenous side really had a chance to be put away early, and they were put under the pump from the beginning. They just couldn't get a break. And the Maori All-Stars attacked, 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 and attacked. But the Indigenous All-Stars held them out. And I really thought that, that was going to come back and, and, and bite, the, bite the Maori side in the, in the backside, in the tukis, in the tukis. Because usually when a team gets held out time and time again, usually what happens is that other team builds momentum off of that, those defensive stands and then come over the top. And they just kind of take the, the take the wind out of the sails of the team that has been on the attack most of the game. And that really didn't happen. Um, yes, they held 
yes, they held them out and 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 they went down and took a two nothing lead, but really, Benji Marshall and the halves, Jerome Luai, they really controlled the pace of the match. And let me tell you something: it was a passionate match, passionate the standpoint where a couple times. I thought we might have some some boiling over or some fracases that happened out on the field. I thought some hands might get exchanged. And I think it's just when you get two prideful teams like that coming head to head like that, you're gonna have you're gonna have some moments where things could really boil over. And I think that there was the reason we didn't have things boil over is because of the respect both both teams had. And the respect both teams had for each other's culture and knowing that that could leave a black eye on the game if something really really did kick off and break out and and I don't think even if punches were thrown anybody would have a a negative feel about that because you just have two passionate teams going head to head and like I've always told you I'd love to bring the Biff back I'd bring the Biff back tomorrow I think and I know I'm kind of segueing to something else I think if if the Biff as you want to call it, the fight in, in the NHL and hockey was brought back a little bit and you took away the the game misconduct penalty or the instigator penalty, I just think the passion in hockey would go through the roof and kind of leave us, kind of take us away from it being a European-style game right now with just free-flowing passing and stuff. And I, I love to see g- great technique and I love to see you know players with extreme skill, but I also love to see toughness. I love to see a hard edge. I love to see guys knowing that if they do something or take liberties, there could be repercussions on the field or on the ice. And that's why I love the Biff. That's why I love a good hockey fight. I've, I'm just a person that has no problem. You know, I don't try to tell me that our kids are going to go out and get in a fight because they see somebody on the field getting into a fight. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. I think that comes from parenting. But, but anyway... Um, it was a passionate game. Both teams played with extreme passion. Um, and even with those, like I said, those key absences, the Maori club and the, the indigenous club um, really held serve and really played really, really well. Now, I told you a lot about the game, but I didn't tell you the game ended in a tie. And I think the crazy thing about this is that when the penalty happened, that James Fisher Harris did right on the try line, right at the end of the game, right before, uh, you know, the, the ending and the last minute of play. It was crazy to hear afterwards, Coach Lori Daly, and some of the players saying they had no idea that the game would not go into Golden Point if it finished regulation tied. And 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 I don't know how that happens. How do players in a game not know if a game is going to go into golden point or you know or extra time until the final buzzer goes off? And that's what happened. The indigenous side went for the penalty and took the two to tie the game at 10 late and had no idea that if they wanted to have a winner or loser in that game that they needed to go right then. So when the final siren went off, both sides kind of looked around like they were confused. And I don't know if I've ever seen a game end that way. Where both sides looked like they were ready mentally to go another 20, 10, 15, whatever they were going to do for Golden Point. That they were ready to go. And 
and to take that type of energy and to take that type of moxie and 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 testosterone that's flowing right then to have to chase that with hugs and and high fives and uh, saying good good game when you're when you're thinking you're about ready to have to sweat and maybe bleed for another 15 minutes it was very strange now i don't think to me that leaves a black eye on the match whatsoever uh, because I will tell you honestly, I had no idea that we weren't going to have Golden Point until they said it with about five minutes to go uh, that there isn't going to be Golden Point in this game. But, you know, they did not seem like the indigenous team, even there was hints that they didn't even get any type of um, signal from the sideline from, from Lori Daly or any of the coaches um, to, to play the ball, to try to get the win. And Lori Daly did come out and say that he would have loved to have gone for the victory and gone for the win. But one thing I think you're you're hearing a lot of players really come to the, the, the you know to the to to the end game of this and say that the big thing is they're all even though they all both sides wanted to win, a lot of them think that it was fitting that it ended in a tie. And I don't think we'll have this problem going forward. Now I will tell you, I'll guarantee you every single coach for every single NRL club represented out on that field that night was very happy the game ended in Golden Point because we really got through this first game without any really nagging injuries for the guys that played in it. And and let's be honest, the last couple seasons, these games that have kicked off the season, at least one guy has gone down with a pretty serious injury that's cost him some weeks or even the entire season. So anytime a, a, a preseason match ends without injury I think it's a win for everybody because no matter how much we love the all-stars game come late July come early July none of us are going to be thinking about the all-stars game we're going to be thinking about who's healthy on our on the field and and for our teams and who's not Um, James Fisher Harris was named the Preston Campbell medal award winner for the game and he had a pretty darn good game I know he might say that he had a black eye to the game and the fact that he took that penalty late that led to the tying two by the Indigenous All-Stars. But he had 16 hit-ups for 137 meters and 26 tackles. So that's a pretty sound a pretty sound match and a pretty sound game. But um, I really enjoyed it. I hope some of you guys took my lead and, and, and you Shedheads either recorded it so you could watch it the next day. I know that they're going to be replaying it every now and then on Fox Soccer Channel if you've got that. Uh, and I know, I think tonight, uh, some of the preseason matches start for, for for the AFL because they're kicking it off on Fox Ch- Soccer Channel. They're kicking off showing the, the, the bushfire uh, preseason match between the Victorian All-Stars and the, and the remaining All-Stars uh, for, for, the, for the AFL. So, again, like I told you guys, we're about ready to really fire out of the gates strong tonight and we're going to talk a little bit more about the charity shield what happens tonight and if you guys are having problems with the 330 kickoff like we had um last week for the all-stars game this one tonight the charity shield is going to start at 130 and that's on fox fs1 too fox sports one so great 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 game great festivity i'm really excited for next year's game and i'm really hoping that the nrl uh, really gets wind of what a lot of the players are feeling, and they kick this thing off in in Auckland or in New Zealand. Going on to another 
topic in the NRL that we all love being rugby league fans. And I shouldn't even say the NRL because I saw just as many commercials watching Super League games this last season uh, for the state of origin as I did for Australian television or New Zealand television on Sky Sports. But we've got the, the origin dates for this coming season. And we're starting this, the, the, the three games at a venue that has not hosted it, and I think ever, maybe, but it may have just been for a very, very long time. But the the series kickoff starts June 9th at the MCG in Melbourne. So I think that's really cool because, you know, we've had a lot of representation for Melbourne Storm players from the big three to Cameron Munster and, and Josh Adokar and, and some of these big key players that have really hoisted some trophy over the last few seasons for the Storm. So they're actually going to be able to host this thing at the MCG. And I know the MCG is sacred land for Aussie rules, but it's going to be really cool to see what the turnout is in in Melbourne this year. And like I said, for all the Victorian people that have gone through so many lockdowns and some really tough times in 2020, Anytime we can reward these people with these type of events, uh, big thumbs up. Like I said, you guys finished the Auss- the Aussie Open with style. Uh, I think your Shed Adamas picked both matches too, by the way. Pat on the back, pat on the back. Hold on, let me give you some sound effect. Yep, that's right. Uh, so I was back in the winning column, and that's always good. I hope you guys won a little something for the little misses for 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 uh, um, Valentine's Day or, or coming up for St. Patty's Day. But... That's really cool that the MCG is going to host uh, game game one of the State of Origin series. And game two is on June 27th at Suncorp. So we're going back up to Brisbane for, for game two. Um, and that is on a Sunday. Origin is starting on a Wednesday at the MCG, but it's going to transition to a Sunday for game two at Suncorp on June 27th. And then we finish it out July 14th. At Stadium Australia in New South Wales for the decider or just the third game, depending on what happens in the first two. But it's so cool to see those dates are already in place. I know that uh, Peter Philandes and the NRL really said that they were going to go back to uh, a mid-season State of Origin series. Now, I know a lot of coaches uh, would prefer if it was at the end of the season, just for the standpoint you're going to lose some very, very key players due to that. But come on, there's something magical about State of Origin happening uh, at the midway point of the season and actually watching the teams navigate without some of their key all-stars during that time period. For me, the only thing you just keep your fingers crossed is since since it's three of the hardest hitting games in the rugby league calendar, and that is no matter what competition we're talking about, Super League, NRL, it is the hardest three-hitting games you'll watch. The, the, the pace of the action, uh, the matches, uh, any player that's played in a State of Origin game, their first or their debutante match, they say that they, don't, they didn't know if they were going to be able to breathe after the 10-minute mark because they're so gassed. So uh, it is going to be fun. Uh, we've got a chance. We know the day is now that we'll be able to put on your maroon jersey, your maroon jersey, or your or your blue jersey. But we're looking at June 9th at uh, the MCG in Melbourne, June 27th at SunCorp, and July 14th at Stadium Australia in New South Wales. So can't wait. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's get it on, as we would say. 
Now, I don't even know where to go with this next story. I, when I read it, I, I almost thought that I had somehow gone backwards in my news feeds when I first saw this and this, this first popped up. But I'm going to tell you something, Shedheads. Tom Travoyevich, even though he's got legs like a deer, he has hamstrings of worn rubber bands. And the reason I say this is Tommy Turbo has injured his hamstring again. Now, the one positive is this is a hamstring injury for his right leg. And that is big because he has injured his left leg, his left hamstring repeatedly. But it was so bad that when Dez Hasler got word of it, he thought that Turbo was gone for the season already. Now, here's where it gets crazy. The story is that Tom Travoyevich hurt his hamstring in a bathroom mishap. Now, here's the thing. Tom Travoyevich isn't 65 years old. All right, Tom, Tro- Tom Travoyevich is in his mid to early 20s. How are you injuring your hamstring in the bathroom? I'm, I'm, that's the first thing that I was thinking. I'm like, really? This is a this is a top tier athlete that somehow hurt his hammy in the bathroom. And and let me tell you something. If he's living on Manly or in Manly, whatever you want to say, that probably wasn't a big bathroom because that's not cheap to live in Manly. But somehow Turbo Tom, Tommy Turbo, whatever you want to say, injured himself. Now, I thought that was kind of strange. And then it gets even stranger when footage breaks of Turbo racing down the Manly Corsco. Now, the Manly Corsco is this long strip that's got bars and restaurants on each side. I've been there. It's a really, really cool place. Um, you could spend a lot of time. It's right before you get to the beach. It's just this long walkway. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Now, I've never been to Corso during the nighttime to really get the buzz of what it's like at night. But during the day, it was still buzzing. I'm saying it was awesome. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then you come out and there's the beach and, you know, you got beautiful people everywhere. It's just awesome. But Tom is in a race with another guy allegedly hours before his bathroom mishap. Hmm. I I don't know if you're thinking the same thing I am right now, shitheads. Does that not make you go, hmm? Hmm. Now, we all know that libations were already in the guy's body, meaning he had a few a few a few bombs, a few, a few pops, as we would say. But to me, that sounds like more of a chance of an injury than dropping your loofah in the shower and bending over and going, ah, if you know what I mean. Now, we're never going to get the true story. The only thing we have is the footage of the run. But last time I checked, we don't have any cameras planted around the Trebojevich bathroom. 
But Manly is coming out and and very strongly backing their player, saying that Turbo did not injure himself in a drunken, fast and the furious sprint to the finish down the Corso. So, who knows? The only thing I do know for sure is that Turbo's out six to seven weeks with this injury. Now, what makes me nervous about this is how many times have we seen a player come back from an injury to one leg and because of that injury starts overcompensating on the other leg or the leg that is quote-unquote not injured and injures that leg. The problem for this or the problem for that with this situation is if Turbo overcompensates on that on that leg that he normally always injures, what's the chances that he injures that hamstring again? So, if I'm Desi, if I'm Manly, we all know that their fortunes rest so highly and so strongly with Turbo making it through the entire season. But we just haven't seen that happen for so long now. And if Turbo gets lost for another season, you got to start really questioning what the guy's future is in the game. Because you just can't count on him. You just can't count on his body, let alone not even getting hit or tackled, but his body holding up uh, through a 26-round through series. Not even counting the playoffs. Not even counting origin. But that's some really crazy news. But make sure you check out old, old, old Wheelie uh, spinning down the, the, the Manly Corso. Um in his race to see if you notice anything at the end. Because I tried, I've watched the footage over and over and over again to see if he kind of pulls up late, but it kind of goes off of camera. So you can't really see the ending to see how he is acting after his run. But to me, that sounds a little bit more realistic than the Lufa fall. But that's just that's just your Shed Adamus going out on a limb for himself. Well, really good news in this next story. Peter Volandis has been re-elected as the chairman for the ARL. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to go out on a very strong branch. Let's just put it this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to moonwalk on a full redwood trees trunk saying that Peter Volandis might have been the biggest and best leader in professional sport in 2020 in the way that he got everything handled. The way that he made sure that no clubs folded. And if and I don't know if you guys even remember, there was huge talk when the pandemic kicked in that there were clubs that weren't going to make it through the pandemic. The clubs were going to fold. And I even I even remember reading articles of the, the the top 5 projected clubs that could close down during the pandemic. That's scary. That's scary. We're talking the NRL that had been talking about putting another team in Brisbane to the NRL going, which team is going to fold? And that Peter Volandis got with the powers that be, found out strategy, found out what would work, started out Operation Apollo, was, was brass, it was... 
ahead of ahead of the time, ahead of the curve. And I'm going to say this: he led the rest of professional sport in the way to make quote unquote seasons work. Now we've seen we've seen organizations do it the right way, following the Villandis lead, the English Premier League. Uh, but I'm going to say my two front runners in that would be the NBA and the NHL, going straight up bubble, taking over Disneyland, and then taking over the two hubs up in Canada. But this all started because of Peter Volandis. Peter Volandis, if you're watching NBA games with empty empty barns and you're hearing that sound of raucous crowds and all of that, that was all started by the NRL. That was all started by Peter Volandis and the ARL and the NRL, putting that together, making you feel at home like there's a bunch of drunken people that are still living and hooting it up around your team. And don't forget, the only thing that saved all of these organizations right now is the TV revenue money. And Peter Volandis, again, played hardball, made sure he kept those TV contracts you know, correct, performing, paying out. He made sure that he, you know, last time I checked, a player did not test positive where he had to miss numerous amounts of weeks. The guys that got stepped down or or, or stood down for a week or two were guys that breached the, the COVID protocol. But that's impressive. If you look at the ways to do it and then the way not to do it, Thank you, NFL, for that. Thank you, college football, for that. And that is just saying, well, boys will be boys, and it'd be so tough for us to ring them in and to make sure that they are coming home at night. We just couldn't do that with just the thought process of we'd hate to take away their rights. Well, here's the thing. You lost your rights when you signed a $30 million contract to have your happy rear end out on the court or on the field. Week in and week out. Now, college football, you don't have anything to say here. You just need to go in the corner with your ball and, as the great Eric Cartman would say, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Just take your ball and you can leave now. Because we're, we're talking about the big boys right now. We're talking about the NFL. We're talking about these big professional conferences that are actually paying their players to take the risk instead of handing a book to somebody to take a risk. Now, with, with my soapbox being uh, stood on at the current juncture you know how many guys tested positive in the NFL this year you know and even look at the NBA right now the NBA is not in a COVID bubble the NHL is not in a COVID bubble and because of that guys have tested positive the New Jersey Devils lost two weeks of ice time in play because of COVID there are more guys on the Devils that had COVID and were under COVID protocol than guys that didn't have COVID by a large number. But not putting teams in bubbles, Peter Volandis marched, marched the NRL through the season without any big-name players going down because of COVID. So when I say that it is good, 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 great, 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 great news that Peter Volandis is not going anywhere. 
I think I'm downplaying it because it is it is very good news, and it's going to do wonders for this game going forward to having a competent leader running the show. So congratulations to the ARL, congratulations to, to Peter Volandis, and really congratulations to us, the Rugby League fans, that we've got a sound leader in charge that is going to be able to take the game in a forward direction. So, so we had some key re-signings this week too, and I know that we've been following this a little bit, but uh, Stephen Crichton for the Penrith Panthers has signed a two-year deal that's given this extension is going to last him now till 2023. Uh, one of my favorite players in the game, I've talked about this numerous amounts of times, Jerome Luai, has been signed for another three-year extension that's going to keep him at the foot of the Blue Mountains until 2024 with the Penny Panthers. And then Cody Ramsey. And I don't know if you've seen Cody Ramsey recently, but you know Cody Ramsey had his big breakout with St. George at the, uh, the NRL Nines out in uh, Western Australia last year, but it looked like he weighed 113 pounds. He looked like a malnourished Jesus running around the field, minus the Birkenstock and the flowing garb. But he had his hair all long. He had a little bit of facial hair. But again, he looked as big as your as big as big your sister going to prom. He wasn't a big-looking guy. But man, what, a, what an NRL player. What a rugby league player. Well, if you look at Cody Ramsey now, he's just re-signed a three-year extension uh, with... St. George, that's going to take him as well till 2024. But Cody Ramsey's jacked now. His face is filled out. Uh, he's still got the stubble like there's no tomorrow. He still has the the facial texture that he is a 20-year-old kid because he must be eating sugar because, how should we say this? Proactive is calling. That's all I'm going to say with that. Proactive is calling. And now any player can use an endorsement. So proactive Talk to my guy, Crody Ramsey. Let's clean him up a little bit because, you know what, he's got the face that St. George is going to want to take forward with, possibly as their marquee face uh, going forward. But those are some big signings. And it's really good to see some of these younger players not feel like they have to leave the confines of you know, their home clubs, the clubs that they spent a lot of time with. I know Jerome Luai is very, very excited. He's hoping to to finish his career out with Penrith. Um, And I know Penrith would love to have him as long as he continues to play the way that he's been playing. It'd be a no-brainer to keep him there. But those are some big signings for these clubs. And I love loyalty. I love to see players staying around or sticking with clubs. So congratulations to those three guys for signing some some pretty good deals to keep them uh, tied down for another two to three seasons. Going up to the Gold Coast, a coach that I think is really going to break out this year for really bringing a side that's going to do some damage. You heard me predict a few weeks ago that I think Justin Holbrook and the Gold Coast Titans are definitely going to be in the eighth this year. I think they're going to cause some damage this year. Uh, and that is even without Cameron Smith. And I know that there is still wor- a lot of whirling speculation that Cameron Smith is going to end up uh, playing for Gold Coast or Brisby this year. For the Broncos, uh, I know Kevy and the boys in Brisbane are really making a big push for him right now. Mal has shown he's got money to sign the guy. All that being said, if he comes to Gold Coast, he's not going to be the captain because Justin Holbrook just got a naming Kevin Proctor 
and Jamal Fogarty as his two co-captains for this 2021 season coming up. Uh, Jamal had a chance to captain five games this last year when uh, Kevin Proctor was suspended for that five-game suspension. But what a season. And if you watch the the, the footage of, of Jamal Fogarty getting handed the captaincy and when he's talking to the boys, he says something. He goes, it's been a, a crazy 12 months for me. And just to put that in perspective, no one knew who Jamal Fogarty was to start the 2020 season. No one knew who he was. He just pops up in the halves. And everyone's like, ah, well, you know, let's see what he can do. You know, he's not a young kid, but let's see. Well, And he might have easily been the best player for Gold Coast last season. And I think with the, you know, when you get match play like that week in and week out, usually what happens, you only get stronger. Your game steps up even just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I think Jamal Fogarty is going to be special. I just think watching that guy last season, he never looked like the game was too big for him. He never really let on that the moment was too big for him. Matter of fact, he usually stepped his gameplay up when times got a little bit more tough, a little bit more rough, and a little bit more dangerous. He stepped it up. So... I'm really excited to see what the Titans do this year. I think the Titans are going to be a team that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, And I want you to remember, Shedheads, where you heard that first. And that is from Corey Jackson on Outside the Sheds that said the Titans are going to have a special season. Well, we're going to finish the the 40-20 off for this week with something I hinted at as we started the show. And that is we have the Charity Shield tonight. And the Charity Shield is going to be played at Mudgee tonight. And it's going to feature the South Sydney Rabbitohs against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Now what makes this this match really exciting is until the All-Stars really kept kicking out, a lot of people feel this is the true kickoff to the rugby league season. That the Dragons and the, and the, and the Bunnies coming together usually is the like, okay, it's now time. These two clubs coming out and banging and clanging tonight is what the true NRL pundit feels is the start of the season. And what makes this game tonight really intriguing and mouthwatering is that both clubs are coming in packing. And what I mean by that is you're not sending out some first-year guys. You're not sending out some guys that maybe played 10 to 14 games last season or played seven games last season who are just trying to be blooded in and, uh, you know, show them the field. To sh- you know, show me what you got. Just show me what you got. That's not what's going on here tonight. You've got full halves combinations. You've got Dylan Walker and Reynolds are going to be playing the halves. It looks like Ben Hunt, it's going to be his first game being the captain on the field for St. George. Uh, Corey Norman is going to be playing in the halves. Uh, You just have a full arsenal that both of these teams are putting out there tonight to play. Now, unlike a typical NRL game, neither one of these clubs are going to be playing their players, you know, for the full 80 minutes. But 
you're still going to see these clubs playing those guys for at least 40 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw 20 and 20 for a lot of guys. Um, but it is going to be a cracking match tonight. And probably the best match that we could see going into the 2021 season. And I know a lot of people, and, I, and I'm one of them, I love the the Indigenous All-Stars match. But this game is going to be uh, really, really fun to watch. Uh, the, that, the pairings, trying to get that down, seeing where St. George plays Jack Bird, um, and just seeing how those halves are firing. Uh, see how Latrell plays at fullback and how he is adapting with that with that combination with his halves. It's just gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one, Shedheads. I'm excited. I told you earlier it's a 1:30 a.m. kickoff here in America, Central Daylight Time, 2:30 uh, East Coast, and you guys do the rest of the math from there. But it is on FS1, Fox Sports One, and just look up the Charity Shields. And there it will be smacking you in the face. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. Um, and we'll also be updating to see if we do get some of those injuries that I said that we were so fortunate enough not to get in the Maori against the Indigenous All-Stars match. But this game is going to be really, really good, really fun. Uh, it's going to be physical too. Uh, but it is something that I think, turn your dials over, flip it across, record it, wake up the next morning. Send me a couple messages if you're confused. We'll let you know what to do, what to watch for, if it was a penalty, if it wasn't, if it was a try, if it wasn't. Your Shed Adamas will be there to, how should I say this, help be the bridge between you, the Shedhead, and the game itself. So make sure you check it out. Set the DVRs. Let's go. And I have kept it short, and I have kept it sweet for Outside the Bubble this week. But it is exciting. And just because I may not rant and rave and go on and on and on and on. Did I say on and on? On and on and on about some stories. I only want to really talk about one story. And that is, first off, if you're a grown adult, you shouldn't be exchanging hands in bars anyway. You should be over that. If you're old enough to be drinking and you're old enough for your insurance to be going down because you've hit the age of 25, you shouldn't be out there exchanging hands. And I truthfully feel if you're over the age of 20, 18, 19, 20, you should be done with it. Because truthfully, nowadays, nobody's getting off. Even if you beat the guy up, you're probably getting sued. Even if you defend yourself, he's going to find a way that he wasn't the bully and he's going to sue you. So... With that being talked about between us, what transpired in Oklahoma this last week, Spencer Jones is a young man that's a, a wide receiver for the Oklahoma Sooners. I think he played 10 games last year. Spencer Jones is in the bathroom. And I don't know about you guys, but the last place that I'm going to be rolling around in a brawl is right behind the urinals in a bathroom. Guys, let's admit it. We may be clean in some areas, but the floor of a man's bathroom is not one of the places I'd say is probably the most clean places in the world. Now, you'll always hear the ladies also always say, 
oh my God, the women are so disgusting. They'll come out of the bathroom saying, oh, I cannot believe I'm that. And as guys, we kind of look at them going, uh, well, okay, I'm believing you, but man, I hope you haven't seen our bathroom. So now that we've painted the bathroom picture, let's put down what happened. Mr. Jones and his buddy were in a, how should we say this, verbal disagreement with a couple of a couple of gentlemen that are, that are brothers. And that's the Brown brothers. Now, I don't know the Brown brothers any more than I know uh, what Vladimir Putin's mistress really looks like. But I'm going to say this. You don't know anymore. Unless that guy that's talking trash to you has cauliflower ears, which I know every woman finds is maybe one of the sexiest things on a man. But if that dude's got cauliflower ears, just, just put your left or right turn signal, blinker, whatever you want to call it, put it going the other direction. Put it going the other direction. And this is not what Spencer Jones chose to do. But Spencer Jones is also surrounded by a buddy. Now, I will tell you this right now. I've got some good mates. I've got some good friends. I got some 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 good mates and friends that if a fight did break out, I'm really happy those guys are on my side. True. But there's nothing worse than buddy, friend, who really doesn't have your best interest at heart. And that is your buddy or friend that will push somebody as they stand behind you and let you take the first beating. Well, there's a reason I brought it up that way, shedheads. Because Spencer Jones's friend pushed Walker Brown. And it the, the, the bad part about this is Spencer Jones was the one that was talking trash to Walker Brown. He didn't even push Walker Brown. His buddy did. But that push set off the fuse to a beatdown for both gentlemen. A beatdown of enormous consequence and a beatdown with enormous consequence that is twice as bad as because we have footage of it. Yeah, it did not go well for Mr. Jones. Because as the, 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 as, as the Brown brothers opened up that can of whoop-ass, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say, open up that can. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. That is an understatement. Because as Spencer Jones gets thrown down, punched repeatedly, gets back-mounted, the worst part about it is he's getting an ass beating to a guy that's doing MMA on him in cowboy boots. Now, there's something I wouldn't think that I would ever say in the same sentence as an MMA beatdown wearing cowboy boots, but it happened. And poor Spencer Jones, and I don't know if it's poor Spencer Jones because uh, the Brown brothers say that Spencer Jones and his buddy were the ones that started all this and... And if you look at it, Walker Brown is bleeding from the nose. But 
the tackle that was put on Spencer Jones, the mounting, and then the beating in the face caused a broken orbital bone in his face. And I don't think a broken orbital bone speaks well of putting a helmet on top of that anytime in the near future. And then in the background of this beatdown, his buddy, the one that does the pushing, gets picked up and thrown down like a side of beef on the ground. And as he gets thrown down, his head smacks against a concrete wall and out goes Frazier. Out goes Frazier. Because he is DOA on arrival the moment his body touches the ground. He is out cold. The night the lights went out in Georgia out. And it's bad enough that he is snoring against the wall. But Brandon Brown then commences to punching him repeatedly in the face. One of the positives about it is I guess you can't remember getting punched in the face repeatedly if you're blacked out and passed out. But unfortunately, someday you are going to come back too again and your swollen face is going to show that you got a beat down. So the reason we brought this out for Outside the Bubble today, besides it being a story I would love for you guys to go in and look at the footage of the fight yourself, is to let you guys know that just because you got four to six inches on a guy don't just take for granted that you're going to open up a can and that he should be intimidated by you because this story is to show you otherwise. Check out that guy's ears and then make sure that you defuse the situation so you can go home and sleep in your own bed and not wake up with IVs in yourself and you're going, what happened? What happened? What happened? Because that's what happened to Spencer Jones. So, Shedheads, as we finish this week's episode of Outside the Sheds, remember, don't be picking fights in bars and clubs. And truthfully, shouldn't you be wearing a mask in the bar and club that you're at? Okay, I forgot we're in Oklahoma. And hell, there's not even sometimes, how should I say this, uh, internal plumbing, let alone face masks. But... I guess the one positive about it is at least we can see who's getting beat up quite easily. And that would be Spencer Jones. But that being said, Shedheads, that brings us to a conclusion for another exhilarating episode of Outside the Sheds with your your host, your Shed Adamus, Corey Jackson. I want you guys to be safe. I want you to, to, to chime in going into the great month of March with some joy some, some festivity in your heart, knowing that we're only a couple weeks out from the starting of the NRL season and about a month out from the start of the Super League season, the AFL season. But I just want you to be excited. Just be excited. Be excited by the sound of my voice. Be excited. Watch the Charity Shield tonight. And like I tell you, week in and week out, show back up here next week. But until that time, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. We'll see you soon. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 